You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert, Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. What changed in Tom Brady's mindset that took him from a third string quarterback in college to NFL MVP and winning a record seven Super Bowls? What improvements in Michael Phelps' mental fitness helped him to overcome the obstacles in his personal life and become the most decorated Olympic athlete of all time? Today, you will learn what those mindset changes were because we have the person who taught it to them. But it's not only superstar athletes that our special guest has helped to transform their lives. He's helped countless people who simply wanted to get past the pains and struggles that hold them back from happiness and success and create the life that they want by truly understanding the immense power that we all have inside of us. You're absolutely going to love this episode. So, but first thing, I wanna remind you that mental and physical fitness are important to our ability to thrive in today's world. And I wanna share a special gift with you to help you to support both. The results of a recent double-blind, placebo-controlled 12-week clinical trial performed at Florida State University is detailing something that can help us to get our very best, to perform at our very best when engaging in fitness and exercise. Now, as you're gonna learn, it's not just the fitness benefit, but also the mental benefit as well. Now, what these researchers were studying was a pre-workout formulated by Onnit. It's a product called Shroom Tech Sport. And they tested it, again, this is a double-blind placebo-controlled trial, and they found that at the end of the 12-week study, Participants who were utilizing Shroom Tech Sport increased their bench press reps by 12%. They increased their total bench press and back squat reps by 7%, so doing supersets. And they increased their cardiovascular performance by almost 9%. All right, again, this is versus a placebo. There is a notable increase in performance. They're getting more out of their exercise and they're performing better by utilizing shroom tech sport now here's the rub this is utilizing earth grown nutrients this isn't some synthetic caffeine bomb that's often packaged up as a pre-workout you know and they got these crazy names like total war total destruction we're talking about something that's utilizing earth grown nutrients time tested clinically proven earth grown nutrients like cordyceps medicinal mushroom like ashwagandha, like green tea extract, and other adaptogens that are, again, clinically proven to support both mental health and physical performance. All right, so something like cordyceps, multiple studies have found incredible cardiovascular benefit, but also being able to help to reduce stress. So this is hitting on all cylinders for body and mind support. And here's the cool thing. You get to try it for free. That's right, you're gonna get Shroom Tech Sport absolutely free when you go to themodelhealthshow.com forward slash sport. That's themodelhealthshow.com forward slash sport. And on it is giving this incredible gift for you to try out Shroom Tech Sport absolutely free. Now you just pay shipping and they're gonna send it right to you. And also, by the way, if you've utilized, they've done this before in the past, but they're doing it for us right now. If you utilize this in the past, you can always head over to onnit.com forward slash model 
and get hooked up with 10% off store wide. All right, but if you want to try out the Shroom Tech Sport for free, just pay a little bit in shipping, go to themodelhealthshow.com forward slash sport and get hooked up. And on that note, let's get to the Apple Podcast Review of the Week. Another five-star review titled Wonderful Show by Horsey Girl 2222 I love this show. Sean is so positive, honest, and dedicated to bringing great information on life and healing to everyone. His delivery is easy to listen to, and his gifts are amazing. Thanks, Sean, for bringing us so many great episodes of The Model Health Show. Wow, it's truly my honor. Thank you so much for sharing your voice over on Apple Podcasts. And if you've yet to do so, please pop over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to The Model Health Show. If you can rate and review the show, I truly, truly appreciate that. And without further ado, let's get to our special guest and topic of the day. Greg Harden is a peak performance coach, motivational speaker, and executive consultant who is best known for his work with seven-time Super Bowl champion quarterback Tom Brady. He's also worked with Heisman Trophy winner and Super Bowl MVP Desmond Howard, and 23-time Olympic gold medalist Michael Phelps. He spent over 30 years educating everyday folks and elite performers while working at the University of Michigan, including 400 future professional athletes, 50 NFL first-round draft picks, 120 Olympians from over 20 countries, and he gained national recognition when 60 Minutes profiled him as Michigan's secret weapon. Now, Today, he's here on the Model Health Show to share his powerful insights. And this is a conversation that's definitely going to stick with me for years to come. Let's dive into this amazing interview with the one and only Greg Harden. It isn't often I use this word, but I have a legend sitting here with me, Greg Harden, Mr. Greg Harden. And I've just been absolutely enthralled by your work. And you're one of those individuals that when we find out about you, just like, how did I not know about this person forever, all right? And obviously you have this acclaim in working with some of the most successful athletes to ever do what they do. Tom Brady, Michael Phelps, the list goes on and on. And I think immediately what people would feel is like, I'm not like those guys. And you make the argument, and matter of fact, you lay out really the science of this, the art and science of like, you do have this in you, you just don't know it and you need the guidance. And that's what you've really unlocked for us. So can you start off by talking about on the surface and maybe even a little bit deeper, what makes somebody like Tom Brady different? Well, if we, we if we go straight to it, humble and hungry. <laughs> Bruh hungrier than the average person but humble enough to be coachable coachability is the critical piece to the puzzle that's what you see that's what you've seen you let's think about how you coached yourself out of a degenerative spinal (laughs) bro i've been dying to meet you your backstory is one of the most amazing backstory I'm a, I'm getting emotional just thinking about what you did and how you pulled it off and how you transformed yourself. So we're talking about self-transformation. We're talking about reinventing yourself. We're talking about uh, re-engineering, redesigning how you think and how you act. That's what you did. You pulled it off. I don't know if everybody understands your backstory, but bruh, you started off in a situation where giving up would have made sense. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then you talk about your grandmother. And your grandmother was just loving you. She was she wasn't giving you no motivational speeches. She's just loving you to death and be happy to see you. And you were miserable, negative, and depressed. And she's just happy. And you like, how come I can't be like that? Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, you're right. And then you hit a switch. You hit a switch in your mind. And said, "I am not going out like that. If I'm not going, if I'm not going to make it, ain't I'm not going to be miserable, negative, and depressed. I'm going to enjoy whatever time I have." And then you start eating differently, thinking differently, walking differently, talking differently. And then you turn yourself into Johnny Badass. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I get excited real early. Hey, listen. <laughs> you know, here's the thing that I love most about this book, which everybody needs to get a copy, like yesterday. This, you literally laid out how I went from there to here. You laid it out. There wasn't a, a portion missed. And one of those was taking responsibility, you know, because in that process, when I saw, you know, the circumstances I was dealing with, I was pointing the finger. Why them? Why won't they help me? Why me? And it wasn't until I took full responsibility for my life, I became empowered and it changed the game for me. That is the game changer. Uh, imagine trying to explain to a 19-year-old Tom Brady uh, who's really convinced that the coaches don't like him, that they're not giving him the opportunities they're giving the other players, and him sharing that with me. And I'm listening carefully because that's what I do. I listened, I listened, and he vented, and he it was he's emotional. And I share with Tom, I, I hear you, I feel your pain. Who gives a rat's ass <laughs> about what the coaches think? What do you think? You want the coaches to believe in you and you don't believe in yourself, son. So until you believe in you, don't expect me to believe. Now, the good news is I'm crazy enough to believe anyway. And I believe that you're capable and qualified of transforming your mindset, transforming the way that you see this and take full responsibility for if you're only getting three, three reps, those got to be the greatest reps that anybody's ever seen. And then they'll give you five. <laughs> and then over time, oh, look out. And that's how you transform. So, yes, taking total responsibility. If, for example, if we use that same example, we look at Tom, and Tom wants to be a, a, a professional football player, and he's not even in the lineup. I say, you need to train as though you're going to be a professional football player. In fact, why don't we get football out of, out of the equation? I say, why don't you train like an Olympic athlete? That's a different mindset than I want to play football and I want to be in the NFL. Why don't you be one of the best athletes on the team? Why don't you change the way that you're approaching this? And it seems to have worked out a little bit. <laughs> right. <laughs> the results speak for themselves. You know, it's, it's so powerful because, you know, it's those intersections and those moments of decision that really write the, the story or create our history in a yes, sense. Sir. And there was a great story that you put in the book about you working for the most negative person and how that was weighing on you would take that with you and you would be negative. Can you share that story? Bro, I was a young buck. I was in my 20s and I came back to school and I'm going to, you know, finish what I started and, and I'm going to be in Connor's world. I'm going to be in radio, television and film. 
that's what it, I'm going to do. And But most importantly, I've been trained that talent is a dime a dozen. And if you don't know how to be in back of the camera, you may not be employed. <laughs> so I wanted to be on both sides of the camera. I wanted to be in front of the camera for joy and entertainment, but I wanted to tell and create stories. So I worked at a television studio. We had a television studio at the University of Michigan that was better than half the, uh, the ones uh, on CBS, NBC, and ABC in Detroit. And so, like, I'm, 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 in, I'm embedded. Boy, I'm working a camera. I'm doing staging and lighting, which I truly appreciate. Uh, this is a great studio. And I get to work with this champion of staging and lighting who is the most miserable, negative, honorous, mean-spirited guy I'd ever met in my life. And every day, all day. He was just whining and complaining and telling you how stupid you were and boom, 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 boom. And like, this is not what I signed up for. So I'm getting negative and I'm getting miserable and I'm whining and I'm complaining to anybody to listen to me. And I went out to lunch with one of my coworkers and said, man, let me tell you something. This guy is a chronic alcoholic. He's lost everything before. Uh, his wife has died and, and like he I mean there's a reason he's that way I said, oh so all of a sudden I get to switch the context I think it's about me I think he's attacking me I think he's abusing me no he's hating himself and his self-loathing spilled out onto everything he touched and so I had to really rethink how I was in, not just interpreting him, but how I was responding. That's an early clue in my life, not in my training, not in my education, that says, you know, you get to decide how you're going to interpret who you're talking to. You get to decide whether or not you're going to be miserable because he's miserable. He's sick. He's broken. And his job is to hurt people hurt people. And his job is to hurt you. And now you can fold and be a victim, or you can begin to understand how to read people, how to understand people, and boom, boom, boom. So it triggered a, a lot for me. That guy uh, was really sent <laughs> to teach me a lesson. And hopefully I learned it. Yeah, yeah. You know, you teach this to the people you've worked with as well, that the obstacle is the way. You know, those adversities are actually great teachers and opportunities to see difficulties as opportunities. You're going straight to uh, the daily stoic. <laughs> you understand the obstacle is the way. Uh, and there have been obstacles in our lives. I mean, the good news is we don't look like what we've been through. <laughs> True that. Yeah. And so um, the things that I thought were just overwhelming and horrendous that happened in my life prepared me to work with others. It prepared me to be able to hear somebody going through stuff and not judge them. Somebody is tripping, dipping, and slipping and not just say, you tripping, dipping, and slipping. This is what's going on. This is what you can get out of it. And so one of the most important lessons in the book and one of the most important lessons I try to teach is you can either go through life or grow through life. <laughs> you, 
You can go through it or grow through it. And if you choose to grow from the obstacle, grow from the challenge, grow from the difficulty, if your mindset is to like whatever's being delivered, I can go through it. If you look carefully, uh, in, in one of the chapters talking about 100%, 100% of the time, I'm suggesting to people that they have an attitude where they give 100%, 100% of the time and have that as their default mode. Yeah. Well, every now and then somebody will be smart enough and say, mm, 100%, 100%, nobody can do that. And I said, of course not. But if my mindset, if my... Mo, if my primary form of operating in my head is to try to give 100%, I no longer am coming off at 30%, 40%, 50%. If my mindset is to give 100% at the things I don't even like, Desmond Howard is a great example. Desmond Howard was ready to leave Michigan, and uh, we sat and chatted, and I shared with Desmond that, you know, uh, there must be a reason you're not starting and not playing because he came in most people don't know Desmond Howard was a running back in high school and was amazing and he was switched over to wide receiver but back in the day in that period of time if you didn't block in the Big Ten and you were wide receiver you're not getting on the field well Desmond didn't block (laughs) And, and he was struggling and I explained to Desmond you can leave Michigan but who cares you haven't done anything and so you're going to go somewhere else with different colors guess what they're going to treat you the same as we're going to treat you but most importantly Des let's let's look at it this way if you want to leave why don't you blow up and become extremely successful and have us beg you to stay he said huh I said so let's look at this 100% 100% of the time there are things you don't like to do. I need you to give 100% to the things you hate. Now, if you create a habit of giving 100% at the stuff you hate, what you going to do when you get to the stuff you love? Mm-hmm. You'll have a habit of trying to give 100%. Okay. Well, still, Greg, well, let me help you out. If my mindset, my default mode is 100%, 100% of the time, my worst day is going to be better than the average man's best day. That's a game changer, baby. Yeah. <laughs> that changes the game. <laughs> I, I specifically like highlighted, circled, and emphasized that part because, again, it's a, it's a formula of how I went from there to here. And... Even with that 100%, because you got to think about, okay, so well, what, what about your quote downtime? Even when I rest, 100% rest, right? Right? Oh, man, this is the guy. <laughs> you understand? This is where you, that's where you nailed it. Yeah. If I am going to give 100%, that means my family is going to get 100%. That's right. That means my relaxation, my, my ability to, uh, look. So I was in mental health and I was clinical therapist, boom, boom, boom. But people don't understand, we're talking about meditation or medication. And and that's the continuum. And so some people don't need medication. Some people need to learn how to calm themselves down, how to center themselves, to actually stop 
using buzzwords, mindfulness, and understand and train for it. Facts, facts. You know, you, I love this too. You, you gave for Desmond Howard, he was looking for that geographical cure, right? So if I just change locations, mm -hmm. if I leave this school and go to another place, then that will cure my problems. But what people don't understand is that you're taking you with you. Same person going with you, same insecurities, same self-doubt, same need for approval of others. All that's going with you. And then people will identify you as someone <laughs> and they'll drift to you based on your personality and style. And you'll allow people in your life who are not healthy because that's your habit of inviting the unhealthy in and trying to get them to like you. Yeah, it's a recipe for disaster. Self-love and self-acceptance is where we're going to go. At the end, you will always find that we end up in the same chapter, self-love and self-acceptance. Yeah. yeah. How I feel about me must not be based on external forces. My performance, my money. How many of us know somebody who's as rich as we fantasize we want to be? as popular as we fantasize we want to be, who take their own life. Yeah. It's a recurring theme. The inside has to be transformed. Money, power, all of that will not make me love myself or care about myself as much as I need to in order to stay sane in the insane world. Yeah. Can you share a little bit about, for Desmond Howard is uh, integral in my story, you know, really? because, I mean, just, I was a Green Bay Packers fan. You know, St. Louis, we didn't have a football team for a while, Correct. right? And so I just really, Brett Favre and all those guys, I kind of, you know, latched on to as far as my, my, my fanhood. Yes, and I was a running back, special teams, returning kicks and punts is just my thing, you <laughs> You're know? You're on the Suicide Squad. <laughs> right. My man. And some of my best game films is just, you know, returning a punt, you know? And of course, you know my story and dealing with the, the injuries and the degeneration. So, you know, but having that outlet and to be able to watch greatness. But I started to also, not just studying greatness in athletics, but becoming obsessed with studying greatness of all types. But can you share a little bit about Desmond Howard? Like what happened what, what was the transformation that took place when you started working together with him? That's, let, let, let me make it clear to folks. Tom Brady is the most popular guy in the world, right? And so they associate me instantly. Tom Brady came to see me because of Desmond Howard. <laughs> he said, I saw what you and Desmond did. <laughs> I want some of that. Desmond Howard... Uh, I try not to tell the story over and over, but I can't help it. I'm doing a summer development camp for football. At the end of the camp, Desmond and another guy approach me, talking about they're thinking about leaving, boom, boom, boom. I tell them, you know, eh, but who cares? And they say, ah. So Desmond stays. Desmond Howard, I asked him, why did you approach me? He says, well, I've been watching you. Say, okay, go on. He says, I have a question for you. He said, when you're talking, sometimes you seem like a learned professor with the data and the you know, research to back what you're saying. And then you seem like um, a, a pastor, passionate, firing us up. And then you turn into, at that time, Richard Pryor. <laughs> 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 and he looks at me 
Sean, he looks at me and he says, is that on purpose? I said, what's your name again, sir? <laughs> he said, Desmond. I said, you're telling me that you paid that much attention. Yes, sir, every time you talk, I was fascinated by the way you delivered and you had three different styles of delivery and I just wanted to know if that's on purpose because that's what I want to do with my life. How can I not fall in love of a 19-year-old who studied me for a year before he'd even talked to me. <laughs> he wasn't even talking to me. He wasn't talking to me until he studied and evaluated and had some, some clue that I was doing things a little differently than everyone else. So I had to, uh, I had to take him under my wing because I knew how serious he was and his parents his parents had set him up, J.D. and Hattie had set him up to be someone who was coachable. And that he, and he would look at you and he would say, if you tell me, he would say, tell me what works. I know you know. And if you tell me, don't touch that because it'll burn you, I'm not like the rest of these kids. If you say it doesn't work, I'm not going to do it. I'm like, <laughs> how old are you? <laughs> 19 years old ready to be tell me what works i'll do it desmond howard under that under that whole theme that i just laid out i said desmond now i can tell the story now because i'm not can't get him in trouble i taught desmond how to jump rope like a boxer how to hit speed bag for hand-eye coordination i told desmond howard if he was serious that he would train like an olympic athlete and would be the best athlete on the team. And he said, okay. Desmond hated to run. So he would run an additional 15 miles a week <laughs> while everybody else was partying in the middle of the night and wouldn't talk to anybody, go out and run. And so when tour days in August showed up, mm -hmm. Desmond was the best conditioned athlete on the field. And this is after they were like, ah, the Desmond, he, he thinks this is Desmond Howard University, and he doesn't care about any of us, and he, all he cares about, and, and he showed up in camp. Bruh, they didn't know who this kid was. He was hungry. His recovery time, which we need to talk about, his recovery time had shifted. Everybody else grabbing their pet, knees and thighs and bending over, and Desmond laughing, coming, waiting for what's next because he conditioned and trained himself to be a superior athlete, not a football player. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Who wins the Heisman and then is MVP of the Super Bowl on special teams? Who, who has ever been a special teams player in the Super Bowl? Mm. <laughs> Incredible. Bruh. Incredible. And of course he told me the night before the Super Bowl, the only Super Bowl I've ever been to because he says, if I'm going, you're going. <laughs> I go to Super Bowl and that night before he says, Craig, I'm going to, bruh, wait till tomorrow. He's jacked out of his mind. He is visualized, scoring. He plans on, I, I'm, I'm going to put my team in position to win. He's deliberate and intentional about what the plan is, what the vision was, and how he was going to operate, and that the team, not him, saw it. At that time, the other team, which was the Patriots, 
weren't committed to special teams like Green Bay was. And they were going to exploit it. It was a planned action. Yeah. What else you want to know? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, again, the results speak for themselves. I mean, that's that's seemingly miraculous, but there's a strategy, there's intentionality, there's a plan behind it all to make it manifest. And it's like putting yourself in position. I love that about about your work as well. Repeatedly throughout the book, you're talking about how so many people get in this habit of complaining that they're not getting an opportunity instead of focusing on being ready. Like again, Tom was like six string, right? And just being ready, working on the things that he can work on Controlling the controllables. My man. Yes, sir. Because that because I can't control what the other what the coaches think. Except by demonstrating and being consistent. So my ability to decide how I'm going to respond is different from reacting. So I have to learn to respond to what's going on around me. I can't control I can I can barely control my dog. I'm trying to control other people and what they think. I can't. What I can control is how I think. I can control how I feel. I can control that you are not going to have power over me. I can decide. And we're not talking about the extremes in in the traumatic uh, relationships where someone is being abused. We're talking about outside of the... Outside of that realm, we're talking about my ability to decide that if I don't bend over, you can't ride me. (laughs) You know, I'm going to decide how I feel. Now, the most difficult lesson, Tom, Desmond, Sean, is when you say 100%, 100% of the time, you have to add the phrase, win, lose, or draw. Now, everybody here is the 100%. But they don't want to hear the win, or oh, they hear the win. But they don't want to hear the lose or draw. So I'm going to give you a hundred. I want to be that guy. The, the the athletes, the executives, the people that I've worked with, I've got to teach them that even if you lose, your opponent is saying, "Dang, I hate that guy. I wish he was on our team." That's all I want. I want to win. I'm going to be mad if I don't win. But I'm going to get over it quickly because I know that I gave 100%. And the guy on the other side is talking about how in the heck did this come to pass? Who is this guy? I want him to be part of my program. That's what we want. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I've got a question for you. And this one would be helpful for a lot of parents and just a lot of people in life in general. And you gave a very simple formula for these people that we see are so exceptional. It's the double H, humble and hungry. Yes, sir. And the hungry part, I think people can connect with that. Mm -hmm. The humble part, that's another story, you know, because I think a lot of us come into situations really feeling like we got things figured out. And to hear something, again, you're pointing out Desmond being 19 years old and really being so humble and so coachable because, and I see this also in my older son, Jordan, and him really, and of course, like there's conditions to where he'll seek counsel and ask my opinion on things. Yes. Because I, you know, him growing through all this with me and him being there living in Ferguson, Missouri with me, sleeping on an air mattress mm-hmm. to him just getting back from Maui, you know, two days ago, right? And so he's been on this journey with me and he's seen the outside 
results. And I put him in position also to not just listen to me, but listen to other teachers, right? Yes, so yes, tuning him into you, for example, and rather than me trying to like pine away and hammer this into him, let other voices that he respects hear. Yes. Yeah. And, and, but that's grace. That's being able to understand that you, you can't control anybody else, but you're going to invite and create opportunities for him to grow. You're going to let him fail. And you're going to let the guy down the street say the same thing you've been saying for 10 years. And he's going to say, oh, my God, Dad. <laughs> Guess what Mr. So-and-so said? But you'll set it up. Uh, if he runs away from home, back in the day when he was a young buck, you set it up so you knew he was going to run away and you knew he was going to pick him up <laughs> and take him to their house. You would encourage him, get out then. If I kick my son out, I already had somebody ready to pick him up. <laughs> That's what it's all about, you know. Just it's 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 the ability to be forward thinking, of course. Yes. And to create what I I call them safe stressors for our kids as mm. well. And also, you know, what I want to ask you about is knowing that we tend to be a know-it-all, right? We tend to think we got things figured out, and I think it. I don't want to make this um, too dichotomous, but it tends to be men more often that really just like, I know what to do, or I, I know things. How is it possible to instill or to teach people to be more coachable, to be more humble? Yeah, if they want to be successful. See, the carrot and, 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 and the fantasy of being successful is how we, you, you rope them in. And you surround them with successful people who tell them, I had to ask. Michael Jordan had to ask for help. You know, every you can come up with a list of names after name after name of people who we admire and respect. And in their story, there will be someone who believed in them before they believed in themselves. There'll be someone in their story that helped them to learn how to have breakthroughs and how to how to think differently and see the world differently. So asking for help turns into an art form and you teach them it's an art to use consultants um, when i talk about trying when i when people want to narrow it down to mental health uh, and take it out of the realm that i'm talking about mental fitness when we're just talking about uh, mental health teaching people how to use counseling and, you know we have uh, a lot of communities uh, who don't want to go into counseling. They have great reasons not to go into counseling. And I teach people, counselors are like, oh my God, how much does the person who's running Google make? And they'll say, oh, they'll say billions. No, no. Let's assume they, they make a few million dollars, okay? But we know that we're talking about people who are making a ton of dough. And then I'll ask them, do they use consultants? And they say, of course he, he does. I said, well, why, why does he, she need a consultant? Because they can't see everything. Guess what? Counselors are like consultants. Hmm. See, some of you get confused because you have to open up and be honest and, and share your feelings. And that's how you see counseling. You need to see counseling as hiring a consultant. If you don't like him, fire their ass and get another one. <laughs> until you get one that fits uh, who you are and can hear what you're saying. 
But you've got to teach people that getting coached, being counseled, having consultants, having mentors yeah. is how you stack the deck in your favor. That's a selfish act to go into counseling. Yeah. It's brilliant to use help. That's powerful. That's the power of perspective, you know, that reframing things for people. Thank you for sharing that. That's But that's yeah. what we do. Yeah. That's what you do. How are you gonna get somebody to, to work out? I change my eat what where but I love I won't say names, but certain beverages that are marketed as hydration drinks. So <laughs> But how do you get people to shift? You want me to drink beets? <laughs> <laughs> Beat it. <laughs> you know. So you, we help help them by reframing. We we teach people in in uh, in one of the chapters we're talking about uh, the angel and the devil on the shoulders it takes us straight back to cartoons, right? Yeah. When you, you know the cartoon is saying, "Well, you, we shouldn't be like that." And the other on the other shoulders, ah, screw them, let's get it. You know, so. When we talk about self-defeating, self-defeating attitudes and behaviors, one of the pieces that we have to examine is letting go of yesterday's baggage. Man, that's my favorite. Out of all the things that I've come up with, letting go of yesterday's baggage is universal, if ever there was one. Teaching people how to reframe, reinterpret what happened to a 12 year old that you're dragging around <laughs> in at terms 50 of, at 50 years old yeah. boom 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 trying to get people to re-evaluate how how that experience affected them and giving them a chance to reinvent themselves and reinvent their perception of the event and seeing it as something that prepared them for who they are today it's, it's, it's work, but it's the best work you can do. It's teaching people how to reframe, restructure some of their old memories. Because you can't have an adolescent running a, a, an adult's life. Mm. You can't have a wounded 16-year-old running your life yeah. or telling you who you are or how to respond in relationships. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, I could be wrong. <laughs> I don't think so, Greg. I'm I don't not, think but so. But I could. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that really reminds me of, you know, my 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 father recently passed away, my um my stepfather, and you know, I was just sharing this with my with my my oldest son and my wife that in the household there was always this looming feeling of fear, right? There's always this feeling of fear because, you know, he was very very deep, deep in the realm of being an alcoholic, you know, the drug use, and he would flip, like you never know what's gonna happen, right? And so there's this looming fear. And I have two younger siblings, my brother and sister, and our lives are very different at this point. And I was just thinking about with him passing, I experienced so much gratitude and this feeling of deep thanks for him being a fixture in my life. Mm -hmm. And in some instances, teaching me not what to do, right? Teaching me how I don't want to be. Yes. But also, what are the qualities that I picked up? No matter what, even with his alcohol abuse, he showed up on time to go to work. He got it done, no matter Every what the circumstance, day. right? Yes, and so sir. I took that on. I took on the things that 
were beneficial for me and I let the things go that were not. And whereas I have my little brother who's in a state of disarray during this time period, hopefully he's processed when this even comes out, hopefully he's made a breakthrough. Mm -hmm. But losing his father, he expressed to me, you know, he, he loves him, but he also hates him yep. because of not having that father figure who is giving him the things that you talk about again in the book, giving him the affirmation, giving him that acknowledgement that he's looking for, making him feel important. But the thing is for me, again, I'm saying he saw me as important enough to come home and to be there, right? He could have left. Like, and so I'm just looking for those things and also most importantly, and this is another thing that you share in the book too, is making the decision to see that he loved me, Ooh. although he might not have known how to express it. Cause he hadn't been trained. His daddy didn't show him any love or affection. I remember my favorite piece with my pops was, is talking about how he programmed me to be a rigid, <laughs> narrow-minded individual because a man don't need help and you don't ask for help. You know, I, I'm eight, nine years old, go out into the yard, see, and he's working on a car, working in the yard, something, and I said, Pops, you know, can I help? And he looks at me, boy, let me tell you something. If you see me in a bear fight, don't help me, help the bear. I mean, you don't even know what he's talking about at mm -hmm. eight years old, but, but over time, yeah. he repeats the same thing over and over. A man don't need no help. If, <laughs> that bear gonna need all the help he can, <laughs> he can get if he fighting me. Man, my subconscious mind, I'm socialized programmed to believe that a man has no need for anyone else's assistance. Man, that that messed me up for years. I was a helper and didn't asking for help was a struggle for me. Ooh, yeah. I'm a professional helper telling people to ask for help, but me ask for help? Nah, I've got it. No, not a problem. No, I'll figure it out because what I'm supposed to do. When I surrendered and allowed myself to believe that my father didn't mean any harm whatsoever. He may have been harmful, but he didn't mean no harm. And and his love was real because of going to work every day, making sure you had everything you could possibly need. His ability to express care, compassion, and concern, he didn't know how to do that. But once I realized that he cared, that his heart was in the right place, uh, it, it, it was hilarious when I ended up... My wife and I, Shalia, were the primary caregivers for him in his final days. And it was it was magical. It was unbelievable. And one day we were uh take I was I was taking care of him. And like you take care of once a man and twice a child. And everything is but for a while. Bob Marley circa Lottie Dottie. You understand? And we were sitting up and I'm taking care of him and he looks at me and he says, who would have thunk it? <laughs> and we cracked up. We were in, we were in the bathroom cracking up, <laughs> looking at who's taking care of who. Yeah. And the opportunity to have that full circle, because I can remember him taking care of me, but he had to take care of me. And so it was great to have that experience, but showing love, showing 
I mean, love isn't love until you give it away. Yeah. Got a quick break coming up. We'll be right back. Neuroplasticity, the ability of the human brain to grow and adapt and evolve and really to unlock our superhuman capacity is driven by our experiences, our practices, our activities, but also our nutrition. Fascinating new research published in the journal Neuron found that magnesium, this key electrolyte is able to restore critical brain plasticity and improve overall cognitive function. Again, neuroplasticity is the ability of our brain to change and adapt. Now this is one key electrolyte, but it works in tandem with other electrolytes like sodium. Sodium is critical for maintaining proper hydration of the human brain. If you didn't know this, the human brain is primarily made of water. We're talking somewhere in the ballpark of 75, upwards of 80% water. It's so important because just a small decrease in our body's optimal hydration level. What's noted in the data, just a 2% decrease in our baseline hydration level can lead to dramatic cognitive decline. Helping to sustain and maintain proper hydration levels in the brain, sodium is critical in that. And also, researchers at McGill University found that sodium functions as a, quote, off-on switch for specific neurotransmitters that support our cognitive function and protect our brains from numerous degenerative diseases. Right now, the number one electrolyte company in the world is delivering a gift for new and returning customers. With each purchase of Element, that's L-M-N-T, the number one electrolyte in the market, no binders, no fillers, no artificial ingredients, no crazy sugar and sweeteners. My friend's son was just over at our house and my son, my oldest son, Jordan, was training them, taking his teammates through some workouts. And we opened the freezer and there's a bottle of Gatorade. There's a bottle of Gatorade in our freezer. And my wife's like, whose is this? Cause we know we don't roll like that. We don't mess with the Gators, all right? We don't mess with the Gatorades. And we knew who it was, it was one of his friends. And he came in and was like, well, at least this is the no sugar kind. And then I go through some of the ingredients with them and I find those curveballs of like, here's where they're sneaking in these artificial ingredients and things that the human body has no association with. But you know, it's, it's taking a step in the right direction by, by being in our environment. So you know what I did? I put the element in his hand. All right, make sure that he's got the good stuff, the very best stuff. And also this is backed by peer reviewed data and a huge body of evidence. And we're talking about the folks at Element, that's L-M-N-T. Go to drinklmnt.com forward slash model and you're going to get a special gift pack with every purchase, whether you're a new or previous customer for Element. So again, this is a brand new opportunity, free gift pack with every purchase over at Element. Go to drinklmnt.com forward slash model and now back to the show. Man, you know what? I'm, I'm hopeful even more so like reading your book. I don't know if it was a catalyst or just the timing or if I would have done this automatically, but I sought out counsel. I'm, I definitely have that same affliction of not asking for help, <clears throat> you know? And this was another thing I picked up from my, from my father because I didn't really even see him. He didn't even mess with a lot of people, you know, <clears throat> very, um, very skeptical of the world around him, yes, period, sir. right? Yeah, and yeah. so 
you know, again, I can pick up the parts of that that can be healthy and put the other parts down. But I sought counsel, losing him and then having this inflammatory thing going on with my siblings and like seeking counsel from my friend Michael Beckwith. And I reached out to him and I asked him, you know, um, about how to perceive this in a more healthy way because I was experiencing pain in my neck. <clears throat> it popped up, right? Yes, sir. It was a physical manifestation. I had a lump that showed up and it moved to the other side. Like once, once, once I got better, it went to the other side. Like I'm not done with you yet. And I'm just like, I, I feel a, such a sense of peace and gratitude and all that, but my body's like, nah, bro, you, you're, you're holding on to something. Mm -hmm. And what it is that he pointed out, which he nailed it, was expectation, right? I was expecting that my brother and sister would learn from this and grow from this, but that put my father into a nursing home for the last 15 years as a, still a young man. And, you know, the brain damage from the drug abuse, and it's just like, you don't see where this is headed. And so what I'm hoping for, and in this moment, and you really point this out, and I sat with this, I just sat with this and just spent some time thinking about it and hopeful that he'll put it down. He'll, he'll put the baggage down, you know, the story that he's not enough, the story that his father didn't love him, the story that he was just a victim of abuse. Put all that down and to focus on all the good, the family that he has, that he's created despite all of these things, the the lessons that he's picked up you know but i'm just really hopeful that and for everybody listening like what do you need to put down and and how do you use the word forgiveness see one of the most difficult challenges in life is to forgive and you know you can imagine in certain sessions you're talking to people about forgiveness and they look at you and say, you nuts. You know, why would I forgive somebody that did A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and go all the way down to Z to me? And you have to share with them. You don't forgive them for their sake. You forgive them for your sake. <laughs> because the madness, the when we're talking about staying sane in the insane world, we got to take it all the way to that level. Because... I'm not, it doesn't mean I forgot, doesn't mean that it wasn't wrong, it doesn't mean any of that. But I am not going to keep dragging you around and letting you live in my head and hold me hostage to, to things that were yesterday. And so to let go, I, I, I have to be willing to forgive, not what they did, but forgive... <clears throat> Forgive that moment and how it affected me. I've got to let go and forgive you because, you know, you're a human being. Because our fantasy is our parents should have been Peter and Priscilla perfect. Hmm. That's a great fantasy. But that's all it is. They turn out to be human beings. And if you really want to know who you are, study your parents. And then study your parents' parents. And they're, where they from, what, 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 what continent, <laughs> what ethnic group, what years, what was going on at the time. Your, your parents are a direct result of their parents, and it goes on and on. You need to study your family to know who you are. And then you, as what you said brilliantly opens up the door for us to understand that we can extract from who they are the great qualities and characteristics that they had. I don't care what they were into or how unhealthy they were. There's some things that they did 
that make total sense that worked and you want to take all of those characteristics because in, in hating your parents if you the secret to mental health is letting go of yesterday's baggage forgiving parents for not being perfect hmm. because they just couldn't they couldn't pull that off but you can decide what really worked well when they did it well and you can also decide what you're not going to emulate or copy from the family history. Because we understand, well, diabetes is in our family, so you know what to do. You know, your heart disease is in our... So, but we don't think about alcoholism and addiction. We don't talk, think about uh, negative attitudes or, or, or uh, uh, depression that's not necessarily triggered by a chemical imbalance, but by habit and routine and whining and complaining about everything and blaming everyone else. So those habits, you can look at and see which habits were good, and which habits were not. I'm going to keep these. And that's what you should do, not just with your parents, but with people around you. Take the best from me. Don't take my bad habits. I cuss like a sailor, right? I'm good at it, but it's not my best habit. But I have some good habits that you can extract, that you can take away. There are people in your family and people around you, people who you've met. There are people who you're studying who don't even know you're studying. You should have mentors that don't even know they mentors. <laughs> but you're studying the way they move, the way they groove, the way they, they articulate uh, the, their moods, etc., and say, that works. What we teach in the book is like identifying what works and what doesn't work in our lives. That's the simplest formula you can give people. If getting drunk every day is working, by all means, continue. If it's not, <laughs> if it's deteriorating relationships and destroying your financial health, if it's doing A, B, C, D, and E, you have data. Look at the data. The data says it's not working. Every time I get drunk, Ah, things don't go right. Look at the data. Turn into a scientist. When I'm not drinking, boom, boom, boom. So we begin to become so sophisticated that we to become the world's greatest expert on you requires you to look at the opportunity to do critical self-assessment how you evaluate what's working and what's not working in your life. Self-defeating attitudes and behavior simply talking about how I think and how I act. There are ways that I think that are not healthy. There are ways that I act that are not healthy. Switching it over to the positive side, there, what are the self-supporting attitudes and behaviors I can incorporate into my life to increase the chances that everything is going to go just the way I dreamed? the way I visualized it, how I organized my think, the way my thinking and, and my behavior. So just be deliberate and intentional about creating who you want to be. Yeah. I mean, that's what you did, Sean. You created this, this beast, this monster, this go-get-it guy who was supposed to be broken. Mm. And you said, no, I refuse. It was deliberate and intentional. Yeah. And your intentional message as well on becoming the world leading expert on yourself. You trying to be an expert on everything else? 
Yo, yeah, yeah. The know-it-all. Okay, how well do you know yourself? I know myself. Okay, what are your weaknesses? Well, I don't have any. Okay, that's the weakness right there. <laughs> We've already exposed one of your weaknesses. Your ego structure needs to be changed. <laughs> it's not your friend. Your ego must become your ally, not your enemy. Hmm. I love that. Within that extraction process that, that we've talked about multiple times, it just reminded me of something else. Like sometimes you gotta dig, sometimes you gotta dig. But if we have that muscle built of self-inquiry, mm. then it's it becomes more readily available to be able to do this. And one of the things that my, my oldest son, when I was talking to him about that looming fear in the household growing up, and he said this to me, that the only memories that he has of my father is this jubilant, person, this person who's just kind of glowing with this kind of childlike nature. Mm -hmm. And that was there. That was there then when I was living in that household and had that looming feeling of fear. This man, I'm talking, you know, he's old school, you know, hard knuckle, that kind of, you know, mentality. He was the first person, first person that I ever met that beat a video game, right? So he, <laughs> he got Mike Tyson's punch out and he'd be up late at night playing this, you know, and it was, I couldn't beat it. I was, you know, probably eight or nine years old and I was just blown away that this man beat this video game. And so this was one of the ways that we bonded was over these video games yes, randomly, you know, and again, he had this childlike nature about yes. him. And that's one of the things that little did I know, I brought that with me and instilled in my family. We have a, we have an, a, a family culture of play mm -hmm. that I was able to extract. And again, I can, carry the the bad stuff the quote bad stuff with me and let that be the domineering story or i could focus on the good yes, and sir. keep sharing that yes sir and it's crucial that you extract as much as you can from your father and your father's father and the people who raised you because it won't just be mommy and daddy they're people who are powerful influences in your life uh, i talk about one in in, in, in my ted talk where this person had a, a profound influence until I got to the point where it wasn't that good. And all I could do is extract some things from him, but I had to reject a whole lot of things that he was bringing to the table. Um, yeah, it's transforming yourself uh, is an art. Yeah, And that's what we're talking about, teaching people how to decide that they're not, the greatest, look, a dog gonna be a dog, right? A cat gonna be a cat, a cow gonna be a cow, lion gonna be a lion. The only creature that was made by whoever you believe in that can decide to be different than they were yesterday is a human being. A human being can decide not to be a dip and a, a dog and an abusive person and, and change. They can decide to change their lifestyle. They can change, decide to change their attitude. They can decide to be stronger. They can decide to, like, to let go of, uh, of fear and self-doubt. They can do, the human mind, the only thing that separates us from animals it's our ability to process and ponder the nature of our existence. <laughs> you know, your dog has all these characteristics you love, but you don't know if he's pondering, hmm, <laughs> how should I change? 
What creature? Well, my wife busted me immediately. She said, well, a butterfly, a caterpillar is going. <laughs> I said, no, then she, she went even deeper. A tadpole, tip, tadpole is in the water and becomes an amphibian and can walk. I said, yeah, but they don't decide. Mm. <laughs> they don't decide to be different. Human beings are the only creature that can de Yesterday, how I was and how I operated, I've got to shift as fast as I can if I want my life to work. My desire to have my life work can trigger change. Oh my God, we keep going back to, that's what you did. <laughs> this is, I'm telling you, this episode here, this interview, this this conversation, this is this is something that I'm gonna take with me forever. Even oh. in that moment when we got to listen back to a little bit, we had a little brief pause, just hearing your voice again is something that for me, I'm so grateful for this moment because I needed this right now. And also I know a lot of other people are gonna feel the same. And I wanna talk now about putting things down. And you, you specify this, these self-defeating attitudes and behaviors, and you break these things down so that we can really start to identify and again, with that self-inquiry and self-assessment, the ability to be honest with ourselves and to look at the results and then to choose other than. And I wanna talk about a few of these that you call the quote, usual suspects. And um, you know, of course we talked about putting down that baggage. You also talk about self-doubt and how dangerous that can be. Overgeneralizing, refusing to ask for help, we've touched on a little bit, but I want to ask you about this one. Mm -mm. And this one was obsessing over criticism. Being totally uncomfortable with being critiqued. And we're not talking about criticizing you. We're talking about people trying to give you honest feedback and being overly sensitive to any feedback that doesn't make you feel good or makes you uncomfortable, or feels like they're passing judgment. Well, that may be true, but there are times when people aren't doing that. There are times when people are trying to give you an, a, a perspective that you can't see. Uh, when we talk about a SWOT analysis, uh, where uh, the story in the book is about this, one of the best stories I have is about this kid who I'm introducing to SWOT analysis. Anyone with an MBA or in the business school knows that, or in organizational consulting does know what a SWOT analysis is. And you're gonna create a quadrant and you're gonna identify the strengths of our organization, the weaknesses or challenges in our organization, opportunities to success and threats to success. Well, I was fascinated with that and decided human beings <coughs> are running a company. Mm. <laughs> and I mean, and it came real easy when I'm talking to athletes who have a fantasy of being professionals. I say, so I would ask them like, given the way you're making your decisions and the way that you're operating and your behavior, and if I had a half million dollars to invest, would I give it to you based on how you're living your life right now? And it would be instance and now you would, <laughs> not the way I'm operating now. And so let's talk about if you were to run a company and you wanted to have a, this is before NIL, 
and you're trying to create a brand, given how you're operating, would I invest? No. So let's look at your strengths, your weaknesses, or challenges, because some people don't like the word weakness, opportunities and threats. I want you to do a, 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 a review of what you think is working and not working. Boom, boom, boom. Internally, externally, boom, boom, boom. And I need you to come back and we're going to review it and see if we can come up with personalized goals. All right. I say, but if you really want to go deep, I need you to identify two to three people who love you, who you trust, who are not going to abuse this opportunity. I want them to give a SWOT analysis of what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, opportunities and threats. And then we're going to come back and we'll review yours first. And then we'll look at theirs and see if there's congruence, incongruence. Are they seeing things you can't see? Boom, boom, boom. Man, this one kid <laughs> said, I'm going to do it. He chose his ex-girlfriend <laughs> and the oh, guy who man. fired him. <laughs> oh, man. Glutton for punishment. And they, were, they had done such a good job because he chose them because they cared about him. Yeah. And he knew what he was doing. Because I thought he was nuts, nutsy bobo, as my mm -hmm. wife would say. When he came back, the overviews were just unbelievably on target. And he grew and learned so much about himself. The ability to critique and examine yourself is important, but being overly sensitive to people. Right now, we've got, it's not right now, historically, there are, there are amazing athletes. There are amazing CEOs and, 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 and corporate attorneys who can't take any feedback, who you can't tell them anything they need to work on. They don't want anyone to give them any advice because they know everything. You'll have a 17-year-old 17, 17 who's not coachable because they are so, if you critique them, they, go, they, they lose it. It's sad to see that you, it's hard to, to try to get a, a, a young person who is so sensitive that they can't hear, have any feedback. And even if you structure it, and you know, some of us are trained to structure it in such a way that it shouldn't be offensive. They still don't get it. And they're still offended. And they're still upset with you. So there's two parts here. Number one is developing more of a student persona. Mm -hmm. And I encourage that with everybody, is to be a lifetime student. Lifelong learning. Yes. Okay. So that's, that's the first part with being able to absorb. And I think it's important too, to have a sense of not necessarily comfortability, but confidence in where you're getting that criticism from, as you just mentioned, you know, like you were surprised, he, my ex-girlfriend, you know, just like, but he knew, you he know? Knew. And that's one side of it. And the other side is we tend to latch on to the negative criticism. Right, and so that prevents a lot of people from taking action or from growing because they're so focused on the negative, right? And you shared this story about giving a talk, I think it was middle schoolers, like it's like a hundred middle schoolers. Can you share that story? It's like, oh God, I, how can you forget that story? Because one of the beauties of our work is that we have to learn to practice what we preach. And if we practice what we preach, our recovery time, we'll get back to that, it, 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 changes so middle schools are toughest audience 
and this time it's the middle schoolers and their parents and all the teachers in the school showed up. I had written it for middle schoolers, but now I've got half the audience is adults. And so I can't, in my mind, I've got to figure out how to alter it, edit and instantly so that I'm covering it for everyone. Well, I tried it and, I, and I'm anxious. And at the end, it's the first time anyone ever asked me, could you sign our program? Oh, you oh my God, thank you. And I'm signing little programs. I'm getting feedback. So it was about 200 people there. About 98 of them stayed after, you know, to chat it up. And it was fascinating. I'd never had an experience like that. And I got all this feedback that uh, how many people loved it. About 98% of them loved it. And then these two people said, eh. <laughs> they were not impressed at all. And they shared that with me. And for two weeks, I was so distraught about what what I didn't do and how I failed and how, you know, d distressful it was. And then it dawned on me, wait a minute. 98 of the people loved it. <laughs> two people didn't like it. Hmm. Wouldn't that be like 98% on, on an exam? I said, I really need to rethink how I'm approaching this. And I had to catch myself. We have to learn to catch ourselves when we go into the spiral because it's predictable, therefore manageable. We have habits that we know are going to show up. And <laughs> we, we, but we still get trapped into how we can be upset and disappointed and overwhelmed by any criticism. Those two critiques wore me out for two weeks, and I finally caught myself and restructured, recalibrated, and reinterpreted the whole thing. <laughs> That's powerful. It, the, the game is being played in our minds, you know? <laughs> and so, again, this is the roadmap to really understanding this. We're just scratching the surface. Now, we keep on putting a placeholder for recovery time. Yes, so let's talk a little bit about that. Especially with you, it's going to be so exciting for me because we're talking about a fitness guru. A fitness guru, you understand? This guy has learned to change his body and your body, anybody's body, to tell you how to. to he's like a performance nutritionist, a sports nutritionist. He's a guy that can get you into show enough shape. Let's imagine that I'm from another planet and I have no idea what physical fitness is. And anyone who we talk to, even if they have never been in shape, knows somebody that knows somebody <laughs> that's been in shown up shape or seen somebody. And of course, we talk about cardiovascular fitness. We talk about endurance. We talk about strength. We talk about flexibility, right? We talk about all of these things. But until you say the word recovery, you don't know anything about fitness. Until you understand that I want you to give everything you've got to the point where you can say you're spent and then shorten how long it takes you to recover before I ask you to do it again. So right now we could go outside and we could run a hundred yard dash, you and I, and you could recover in like 30 seconds. I could recover 30 days perhaps. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> So when we talk about fitness, we have to include the word recovery time. 
So then what is mental fitness? Mental fitness. See, everyone talks about mental toughness and everybody talks about the game is mental. It really is. But when we're talking about life, not just sports, when we talk about mentally fit, we're talking about training for it. We're talking about practicing, training, and rehearsing to be more fit physically and mentally than the average individual. What does that imply? In our lives, we're going to have trials and tribulations. We're going to have loss and grief. We're going to have heartache. We're going to be disappointed. We're going to fail miserably. But how fast you recover tells me how mentally fit you are. Again, we have to learn how to grow through it and not just go through it, not to be broken by it. Our ability to recover faster from disappointment, our ability to make a horrible shot and get over it. See, the past is like, okay, I don't know who told me this. This is years ago. The past is like a canceled check. The future is like a promissory note. The only cash we have on hand is in the here and now. Mindfulness is teaching us not to wallow and be obsessed with the past and not to be preoccupied with what it should have, could have, what might, and, and stay focused in the present. When I'm mentally fit, I get over making mistakes quicker than the average person. I throw 28 to 3. 28 to 3, what could that conjure up? Atlanta and New England. Super Bowl. Now, the only reason I'm watching at this point is because I love Tom. This, it's the two best teams in the world. <laughs> 28 to 3 at halftime. It's over. But I'm not going to bet against him because, eh. It's Tommy, but it's over. But I'm watching it out of respect and in the back of my mind, if anyone, but it's, it's, it's not impossible, but it's improbable. But if you are mentally fit, <laughs> you still believe that there's a few more minutes left in the game called the second half. If you are mentally fit, the interceptions, the mistakes that were made in the first half can be neutralized. If you're mentally fit, you're not preoccupied with the score. You're preoccupied with what can I do next. And you play to win regardless of what the score says. So mental fitness, to keep it simple, is your recovery time. Getting, and sometimes... We're simply talking about shrinking how long it takes to recover. You may still struggle mightily, but it's no longer going to be a month, <laughs> a week, <laughs> all during practice. You're going to recover after one mistake instead of making five more thinking about the one you bounce back and, and keep rolling. Yeah, it's the definition of staying ready so you don't have to get ready. Come on, bruh. That's yeah. all we're talking about. How fast can I recover from a loss, from disappointment, from making a mistake? I don't make five more because I made one. And teaching people, 
recovery time includes recovering from success. <laughs> that part. Bruh, yeah. it's not as easy as people think. Yeah. Wow. Man, that hit different. Yep. Yeah, you yeah, you felt that one. Yeah. Because, yeah. bruh, you're, I mean, right now, you better prepare yourself for success. Yeah. Because you, things are blowing up. And so your ego is trying to decide, you know, what team are we on? <laughs> <You know? laughs> is it me? This book, this book ain't about me. It's about the wonders of being able to work with individuals, to try to be a change agent, trying to teach people how to get the best out of themselves, just to leave a legacy. My day, my days are limited. My, I know I'm in the fourth quarter, the, if you like hockey, the third period, whatever you want, this is the eighth inning, whatever you want to say. Bottom line is, this ain't about me, it's about how will I be remembered? Will I have made a difference? Will I have my sense of purpose be real? My sense of purpose is being a guy who can challenge people to be the best version of themselves and teaching them how to do it. Yeah. This is such a special book, and I really want to encourage everybody to get a copy. Get a copy, not just for yourself, but for somebody that you care about. Read Ooh. it together. And uh, again, I don't usually put this kind of emphasis on getting a book, but this book is truly special. You just said it. This isn't even, a, this isn't about you. You're here on the cover, but this book is for all of us. And this is an honor to sit with you. I'm looking forward to doing this more often. And I'm very grateful for you just having the audacity to put this into writing for us to, to be able to pass on this knowledge. It's, it's truly powerful. Well, I wanna thank you uh, from the bottom of my heart for allowing me to be with you. And uh, I told you when I, when I read about you and studied you, I was totally fascinated. And uh, your life story is one that uh, sets a standard and it gives a model for people who are struggling. And so uh, thank you for the time and the effort. And I really hope that people like this book because uh, I put everything I had into it and I've got more coming. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Stay sane in an insane world. We need this right now. The, the book is out right now, Greg Harden. Get your book everywhere that books are sold. And is there anywhere else that you want people to connect with you to get more information? Uh, I have a website. I know that's ancient. <laughs> <laughs> but I, <laughs> I have a website. Uh, Shane Salerno uh, is my guy who uh, has set all this up. Blackstone Publishing uh, is creating great opportunities for me to, to, to get out of Ann Arbor and go around. We're in L.A. today talking to an amazing human being. So uh, a Barnes & Noble, uh, Amazon, Apple, uh, those are all vehicles that are going to be, we hope, excited about this. And I, I, just, I just hope people will pick it up. Absolutely. Again, Greg Harden, stay sane in an insane world. Pick up your copy right now. I appreciate you. Thank you. Greg Harden, everybody. What do you need to let go of? What new attitudes and behaviors do you need to pick up? What are the things that are gonna get you from where you are to where you want to be? Greg's book is an excellent roadmap to help us to traverse this really dynamic experience of living life as a human being, especially right now. And I think it's just immensely valuable, especially again, learning from somebody who's got a proven track record 
of figuring these things out, but also helping other people to do the same at a world-class level. I'm telling you, absolutely gonna love this. And also when he said this statement repeatedly through this episode, I really wanna reiterate this point that we can go through it or we can grow through it. Because a lot of us, we can get into the, you know, the day-to-day grind and we can find ourselves just trying to make it, just trying to make it through the day, just, just going through it. Instead of really perceiving that our struggles, our challenges, even the mundane things are offering up an opportunity for us to grow. We can get better each day despite popular opinion, all right? Somebody like Greg, so I know this off camera, but when you see him and you see his energy and you also just see his physical appearance, what is being portrayed outwardly, you would think he was probably in his 50s. But my man is three quarters of a century old. He's almost 75 years old. And he's got this energy truly like he's got, he's about to be doing this for the next 20 years. And it's really important for us to understand that no matter where we are in our lives, we can start to write a new story. We can take the pen. You already have the pen, but you can be proactive at using it and stop outsourcing your life. Stop acting like a supporting character in your own story. You're the star. And again, definitely encourage you to pick up a copy of Greg's new book. And listen, we've got some powerful masterclasses and world-class guests coming your way very, very soon. So make sure to stay tuned. Take care, have an amazing day, and I'll talk with you soon. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes. You can find transcriptions, videos for each episode. And if you got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome. And I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.